Hello, welcome. Hi, welcome, welcome back. Welcome. This episode 13. Welcome, yes. 13. I right? No. I <laughs> it's like episode... Eight. No, it's Seven. like, well, it's episode eight. No, it's episode nine. It's episode yeah. nine of season two. So many episodes we've done. I know. We're pretty, we're pretty on it, you know? We are. We have we one are, more episode this season. Yeah. Get ready for it. But this one, I think, is gonna is gonna be the grand slam right here, man. I'm, I have no idea who we're talking about. But I'm excited. I'm excited about it. First, I would like to briefly apologize for the audio. Last episode, I should not be oh. trusted to hold a mic with my hands. I don't think it was I, that bad. I don't think it was that bad because I cut out the things that were bad. But it was just like mm-hmm. sometimes I was holding it up to my mouth and sometimes I was flinging it. Like it was just, Lord knows. If it's you're listening to that episode. Talker, yeah. Animated. If you were listening to that episode and you were just like, what is going on with her audio? That's what happened. And I'm sorry about it. And now the mic is clipped to my shirt and I'm not touching it. So Love hopefully that. that doesn't happen again. I think it added a little drama, a little spice, you know. It certainly added some spice to the editing process and just myself of like, what What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> You're having a good time. Uh, clearly. That's what you, that's I will what say it was fun to hold the mic. But I think I was having too much fun. Yeah. I think maybe that's why many podcasters have like, you know, the mic is always attached to something. Well, there are mics that you can hold that don't do that. You know what I mean? That yeah. don't like have different, they know that someone's holding it. They're handheld mics. They're yeah. like made to be handheld and made to be like moved around like that. That just was not the mic that I had. And I knew it wasn't. No. It very much comes with a stand. And but I was you like, I just wanted to hold it. Let's go. You know? YOLO. I felt Try important. Something new. You know, you are important. Well, I, I, I think you should stick to that theme. Okay. Don't let the mic tell you that you're not important. Okay. Well, I did let the mic humble me slightly because I am <laughs> back to my clipped mic that is like, it's not going anywhere. I think the mic just couldn't handle all of your greatness. That, we'll uh, that's, we'll that's keep moving forward, you know? But like you alluded to earlier, Lonex, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. month is like... It's themed. Th- themed, is it yeah. Not? For lack of a better word, it's themed. It's definitely oh. Halloween themed. It's spoopy themed. Because yeah. if you might recall, last year we were not spoopy themed. We did not have a spooky couple. I don't remember who our couple was last year. I mean, you could, you could say, Matt, that a lot of the couples have been spooky. Well, I mean, the, they're all they're all dead. Most of them. But, you know, just because it's not... I don't know. Again, I don't know who we're talking about today. Yeah. I don't even know if they're real. If it's some Halloween... They are real. Like, myth, you know? Yeah. That just lives in, like, Halloween lore. No. That would also be cool. But- yeah. This has been this has definitely been like a season full of more fictional people than I guess we should have been doing, but I don't care. What is what is should? Okay, I don't right. know that That's word. What I'm nah. But so never met her. After we did the episode last year, my mom, who I'm not actually convinced really listens to the podcast, but she makes an attempt, which nice more than her. more than I can ask for. <laughs> um, and she said, "Oh, I wish you guys would have done a scary couple," and that was the first recommendation she's ever given. Mm. Honestly, that's the first recommendation she's ever given to me on anything i've ever created <laughs> and so i was Honestly, like note taken that is take that very note. spot on you know she was waiting for this moment map she was yeah she was hopeful and it and yeah. i didn't deliver last year so this year i'm no. delivering will she listen to the episode probably not but i will have delivered and that's 
That's good enough for me. Right. You're doing your part. You're doing your part in this equation. So we may not be able to give you really good advice or tell you how to break up. I think at this point, we're maybe mediocre at it. I like how every episode you get a little more convinced that we can do it. You know, I mean, what are we doing here, Mav? If we're, I'm learning a lot of things. Hey, ma'am. You probably already know everything that I'm learning, but still, I think it's somewhat applicable. If you listen to exactly what we tell you to do, what's the worst that could happen? You know? You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, you'll probably be no better off, no worse off Literally, than you are right now. I can't imagine that you'd be worse off. No. Will you be better? Probably not yeah, better. Maybe, maybe. Seems unlikely. But, I mean... Seems more likely than being worse off. Definitely more likely that you'll be better off than that you'll be worse off. Particularly because yes. I feel like 90% of our advice is like dump him. And I can't imagine Period. that. And that's that's usually, honestly, the best advice. Either way, whether or not we can help <laughs> you or not, this is how Mary and Percy Shelley did it. <gasps> the Frankensteins. I like how the they- The Frankensteins. Oh, no, I- I- <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. I- I know them. I know Mary. Yeah. Which I'm glad that Mary is the the front runner of this story. Well, I don't know. But in my mind and in reality, she is. So. I understand that we could be accused of being biased towards the ladies. I don't even think that's... But... You can accuse anyone of that. I'm fine with that. (laughs) I think that's... If you lay out the facts clearly of of life, I think everyone is on that side. Yeah. I can't think of an example outside of the two females and a couple example where we have sided with not the woman. You know what I mean? Or like where the woman's been the bad guy. And any the the only time that a woman has been the bad guy was when they were both women. And it was the one woman that had multiple (laughs) quotes being like, I need to be the man in this relationship. And you were like, girlfriend, you don't. That's the, that's like the whole point. You definitely do not, but I love that that's the the only scenario. Of a lesbian relationship is that you don't have a man in that relationship. There you go, man. That's why. Period. That's why they do that. That is why they do that. And, you know. So let's hear about Mary and Percy. Mary Shelley was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin on on August 30th, 1797. Jesus Christ. All of that was so much to take in already. She is the first child of William Godwin and Mary Wollstonecraft. Uh, wait, what? Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, or Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin was the Uh daughter of William Godwin and Mary Wollstonecraft. Oh, so they did a little hyphenation with her name. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Honestly, William Godwin and Mary Wollstonecraft are interesting enough to be their own episode. Oh, wow. So we're not going to go too in-depth, but it isn't, I think, for Mary over a lot of other people we've covered... Knowing exactly who their parents are is very important to understanding who she becomes. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about them for a second. Mary Wollstonecraft was a famous feminist writer. Her most famous works were A Vindication of the Rights of Women, which advocated for educating women, and Maria, or The Wrongs of Women, which is a novel about a woman whose husband put her in an insane asylum. Okay. Are you good? I think so. Say Uh it one more time just for shits and giggles. Just the part about the books? Yes. Okay, so she had two, basically two books. She had like the rights of women and the wrongs of women. Where like her this two This was Mary? Mary Wollstonecraft, yes. Mary's mom. Um, okay. Mary's a junior. Why don't they do that with women's names? I don't know. Oh. So basically Mary Wollstonecraft wrote about women's liberation, educating women and stuff like that. A Vindication of the Rights of Women is a set of essays, or maybe just one big long essay. It's been a long time since I read it. That is discussing educating women and the the virtues of all that stuff. Maria, or The Wrongs of Women, is a novel which is about a woman whose husband puts her in an insane asylum. Oh, why does 
you do? At that time, husbands had so much control over their wives that if they were starting to sort of act up, quote unquote, they could have them committed and then like wash their hands of them and everything. So So it's been a really long time since I read Maria. And honestly, even when I read it, I was in college and just like doing it for the assignment and like not even autopilot reading it. But basically she's, she's got some ideas and her husband's nipping it, you know? And then a bunch of other stuff happens and whatever. Wait, wait, wait. She's got ideas about what? Just like her own power and situation. Oh, she's got her own opinions of what she'd like her life to be. And he does not want it to be that way. He doesn't want her to like have a mind of her own. Yeah. Okay. And like a lot, it's a lot of stuff happens, but it's like a, it's a whole novel, right? So like between them, a lot of stuff happens between them in that space. With Maria and her whole situation. Maria. I thought her name was Mary. Maria is the character in the book. Oh, oh, it's not based on Mary's life. Not really. Mary. I don't, I don't know. It's been, I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. I think Maria was definitely a choice. What do you, like character, the name? What do you mean? Naming her Maria. Oh, because it's so close to Mary. But I can't, I really can't remember. It's been a long time. For sure. And I didn't look into them that more because Mary Wilsoncraft is complicated. She does a lot. She's her own podcast. You know what I mean? I love that for her. Yeah. And I, I'm very interested in her thoughts on women kind of doing what they want to do. Boy, did she have them, you know? She also did what she wanted to do. She is very much an independent woman. I think she'd laugh in the face of the male loneliness epidemic that's currently going on. Oh right yeah, now. she absolutely would. William Godwin is also a famous writer whose most famous work is Caleb Williams, which is about a poor man who becomes interested in a murder that he is eventually accused of committing. And the whole book is a commentary on the social and political injustice injustices of the like the world that William Godwin lived in. Mm, seems a lot less interesting than what Mary was doing, but... Well, he's a man. So. <laughs> so it can only be checks. so interesting. I guess that checks out. So she's she's basically the daughter of two radicals, right? Two. Oh, was the guy that um, what's his name? Gary George William Percy William. Godwin. I'm so I'm so sorry. Yes, Godwin's William. his last name, but yeah, William. I think that's where I got the G from. Yeah. Um, was the person that he wrote about a person of color or a white man? I believe it was a white man, but it was in London in the 1780s or like the 1770s. So so like people of color didn't exist no they were there mm-hmm. they were within they were in a integrated world <laughs> yes i yeah that was part i was being a little facetious about but I uh i don't I, again, it's been a very long time since I read that book. Yeah. And when I read it, it was for an assignment on a class that was about Mary Shelley and not about William Godwin. So I didn't really care that much. Oh, you had to read his book too? Yeah. Hmm. I, w- I had a class that the whole class was about the book Frankenstein. Oh. And so you read her mom's book, her dad's book, and so that you could, un- before you read anything else, so that you could see, you know. So that was understand the lineage. Yeah. Yes, yes, I get you. I my comment, I guess, about whether he wrote about a person of color or a white man was um, more tied back to the what you said about them being two radicals. You know, whereas like I can clearly see yeah. already how Mary is a radical, and I. I'm a little on the fence about him. Um, his stuff is a lot about politics in England and the 1700s, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, very anti the ruling class and very anti religion. Mm. Okay, I think he's an atheist, which was not okay, of course, at the time. Yeah. Okay. Mary Wollstonecraft had a daughter from a previous relationship, and when she got pregnant with Mary, she planned to raise the child on her own again, like both of her little girls on her own. But William Godwin broke his own rules against. 
marriage and he married her. Hold on. Yep. I have many questions. One, I guess I didn't know about her previous daughter, but... Mm. That's because she's, again, she's very complicated. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't, I don't she really... She had had an affair with a married man and had a daughter named Fanny that she was raising by herself. What a horrible name to give to anybody. Listen, justice for Fanny. Poor girl. <laughs> yeah. But, and so when she got pregnant again with William Godwin, she assumed she'd just do the same thing. You know, be a single mother again. Not but a big they deal. Were, they were together. Yes. Were they not? Yeah. But they weren't, like, neither one of them, like, were particularly interested in marriage. Right. But they were, like, st- still in a relationship. Yeah. And, and he... people that are... And he loved her and so married her. Ah, uh, because I get it. We're in, like, the 1700s. So, like, to have a baby with somebody... And is not, not allowed. It's like, is like, oh, it's not allowed. I mean, it's well, they little, did it. Well, yeah. She would have been... She would have been shunned from her family and all polite society and anyone worth but knowing. She but she just didn't did. give a fuck. Mary Wollstonecraft was like, shun me. I don't care. I thought she already did that with her first daughter. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. She didn't care. But he did. So he married her and they got married. Was her family already, had already shunned her? <laughs> I told you. And we weren't going into her. I told you that she was complicated. You just have to accept. You just have to accept what I tell you. They got married. Cool. Okay. Their relationship was at times volatile, but it was really one of love between her parents. Mm. Sadly, Mary Wollstonecraft died from infection 11 days after Mary was born. So sad. Um, So William Godwin, her father, took in Mary's older sister, Fanny, Mm -hmm. and raised the girls together. Yeah her half-sister, and raised the girls together. He got remarried in 1801, which was just like four years later, to a woman with a daughter and a son of similar ages to Fanny and Mary. Huh. They're a nice the, little family. The stepmother is also Mary. Her name's also Mary, so she becomes Mary Godwin. Uh-huh. And Mary uh-huh. is Mary Godwin until she gets married. Forever. So we're just going to call her her stepmother. But just so you know, okay. Mary's stepmother's name is Mary. Right. Mary's stepsister is named Jane. Oh, the, the uh, yeah. Okay. Jane Claremont. I don't like, well, that's fine. And then her stepbrother is Charles Claremont. Okay. Which uh, I think that I think that her stepmother was widowed. Mm, okay. That's why she's got two kids and no husband. Right. Mary and her stepmother right. did not get along. In fact, most of William's friends didn't like his new wife. I kind of feel like, with the exception of Charles Claremont, who is, from everything I've seen, just a perfectly nice, normal dude, that Mary's stepmother and eventually her stepsister, Jane, but we'll get to Jane later, but her stepmother was like stepping into a world that she didn't realize that she didn't belong in. You know what I mean? Uh, no. What do you mean? She seems like she is a lot more traditional, a lot more, I guess for lack of a better word, normal. Oh, she's And not, she's sort of married so into this. Yeah, she's kind of married into this like artist colony, right? And unfortunately for her, even though she, I don't think was very nice to marry, and I don't know that she was very nice at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to put too much sympathy on her. Yeah. But I didn't see any like specific examples of her being that mean to marry, but it was said that they weren't close and they didn't get along and all that stuff stuff so maybe she did something to marry that was not very nice sure it just seems like she married william godwin and then was immediately compared to mary wollstonecraft when mary wollstonecraft was like an icon you know what i mean why was she immediately compared to mary because she's the new wife she's like coming into the wife sure 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 sure. but like she had a completely different i don't know what her occupation was but i'm assuming she right like everything about her was she didn't have an occupation she was a mother she was a wife and mother so it was like mary wollstonecraft it was like it is an occupation but occupation but what i'm saying is like mary wollstonecraft was like witty and she would go to these parties and have political arguments with people and she was very much like in the group and then she died and it was like he just married uh, a chaperone who was gonna come in and clean up their um, like you know she's gonna well, i mean she 
wasn't going to hang out at the party. She was going to clean up afterward. And Maybe like, that's, that's just... what William always wanted because you are. Yeah, but you can't compare like those Mary. two kinds of people. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm not. But she was compared unfavorably to Mary Wollstonecraft almost from the beginning. <sighs> And they okay. So basically, his friends didn't like his new wife, is what I'm saying. I mean, sure. You and neither did you his daughter. Can't compare, you know? I think it's what William always wanted, though. In I guess wife. so. Honestly, it's what he got. It so. is. Her father taught all of the children, and Mary was an exceptional student. And it seems like maybe her and her father were, like, really similar. Uh-huh. So they would butt heads, and they would get really mad at each other. But it also seems like she learned in exactly the way that he taught, you know? So that implies to me that maybe they were really, they thought alike. You know, you know how like sometimes someone in your family and you guys just don't get along very well. You're always arguing. You're always bickering or whatever. And then someone else is like, oh, it's because you're just alike. And then you kind of realize that that's what it is. You're like both getting mad at each other for like the same things. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I think that that's what's happening with Mary and her father is that they're too similar. Uh, mm. And so they're butting heads, but that also is why they can understand each other so well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, her father and her stepmother opened a children's bookstore when she was about 10 years old. I think it became like an everything bookstore, but he wrote some children's books and got some success from it. And so they opened a store to sell books. That's nice. Yeah. Above the bookstore. Okay. Cute. Many of her father's books were retelling of myths. He was also a proponent of leaving violence in the children's stories. And so the books that Mary would sort of fever read as a child were often just full of you know violent imagery and bloody details love that well Makes i think it connects with what a... she does as she keeps going yeah frankenstein uh-huh. and I her see it, I, see it. I see it the fact that she doesn't need to hide away from some grotesque details in may of 1811 at the age of 13 about to be 14 mary was sent to a boarding school on the coast in hopes of helping she had like a bad case of eczema Ooh. and before there was like good medicine for things they at least in england they felt like if you could get to fresh sea air that you would get better. Yeah. Which is probably not inaccurate just because they lived in London and so like that air is gross. You know? Anytime that you're in that kind of city where it's dirty there's so many people together it's like you're gonna get sick. And if you go out where it's fresh air then you're gonna feel better. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Just in general. Just as like a general sentence. Yeah. The eczema didn't get any better at the school though. And the school focused on teaching like young women stuff. Like she was taught to dance. She was taught how to speak French. She was taught needlework. And Mary was just like, this is not what I care about at all. Yeah. You know, she went from learning sort of political and moral lessons from her father to learning how to be a A well-behaved young lady. Yeah. And that's just like not her vibe. No, of course not. She came home six months later and the family decided to then send her to live with a family friend in Scotland. Why did they send her away originally? Because she's like, um, first of all, she's sick. And I think it's a whole, I think that she's not getting along with her stepmother. I think it's a small house with a lot of people. I think it's sort of a, this is going to be best for everybody to move. Uh, maybe like a little cop out of a way to not have to deal with somebody. And if you have richer friends, then you can give her a better opportunity outside, you know? Yeah. Anyway, in Scotland, she became very close friends with the family's daughter, Isabella Baxter, who was a big fan of Mary Wollstonecraft's writing. Whose family? The So she went to stay with the Baxter family in Scotland, and she became uh. friends with the daughter, Isabella. Who are the Baxters? Friends. 
friends. Okay. They're in Scotland. That's all I know. Cool. She loved it up in Scotland and the natural beauty of her surroundings and her relative freedom inspired her to write more. Um, So finally, Mary is glowing, literally, as her eczema is clearing up and her complexion is clear and her smile is bright. Isabella's brother fell in love with her, as did a number of other boys up in town. And a letter from her family, she learned that new admirers of her father's work had begun visiting the family home. A young couple of newlyweds, Percy and Harriet Shelley, were mentioned. In November of 1812, Mary visited home with Christy Baxter, another sister in the family that she stayed with. So not Isabella, but like Isabella's oldest sister, Mm -hmm. came with Mary back down to London. Christy met Shelley in November, and she described him as tall with large blue eyes. But it's unclear if Mary met Percy at the time. Percy and Shelley are... Yeah, that's just his whole name. Okay. Christy, Christy and Mary stayed in London for a few months before returning to Scotland in March of 1814. At the age of 17, she left the Baxter house for good and went back home. Robert Baxter followed her to London in hopes of proposing to her, but it didn't work out because she pretty much, if she hadn't already met Percy Shelley in 1812, then she definitely had met him now. Percy Shelley was born on August 4, 1792. He's the oldest son of Timothy Shelley, a member of parliament, and his wife Elizabeth. He had a relatively happy childhood and showed a skill for reading and learning languages at an early age. In 1802, at the age of 10, he started school where he was bullied. The bullying and his overall mental health while in school got so bad that he would have nightmares and sometimes react violently. Ooh, yikes. He also liked to do his own scientific experiments, most worryingly with gunpowder, which sometimes blew up things like fences. In 1804, he went to Eton, which is the same boarding school that Prince William and Harry went to. So it's still around and I think still Richie Rich. Sure. He continued to suffer bullying and became more aloof and separated from his peers, even earning the nickname Mad Shelley because of his violent outbursts and his science experiments. This was Percy? Who was this? Yeah, we're talking about Percy. He enrolled at Oxford at 1810 at age 18, by which time he had already written a book of poetry with his sister and a novel which was published in 1811. He was bullied because he was was, like smart and... No, I think it's, I think he, I don't know why he was bullied when he was younger. By the time he gets to Eton, he's being bullied because of the atmosphere at the boys' school. Like, it's just shitty sort boys of, being shitty boys. Yeah, kind of. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit of the, like, hazing aspect of it. Mm. And then also, I think he just didn't react well to it, so they keep going, you know? Yeah, okay. And I think he had um other mental health problems that today would have been like diagnosed and he would have worked through them but like he just I think he was depressed I think he sort of I think he would have had clinical depression just the sort of emotions that he talks about and his emotional state but I don't know I'm not a doctor yeah yes I'm aware Mav it seemed like he was being bullied but also that there was more going on that wasn't his not that bullying is his fault but like there's even more happening that's just the way that his mind works Mm -hmm. okay at Oxford he became friends with a man named Thomas Jefferson Hogg who politicized Shelley and December of 1810, Shelley met Harriet Westbrook. What do you mean who pos- politicized Shelley? He talked to him about politics and opened his eyes and oh. gave him books to read and things like that. See, radicalized by yeah. this guy? Yeah. Okay. In December of 1810, Shelley met Harriet Westbrook who went to the same school as his younger sister. Okay. Shelley started publishing essays about atheism and was eventually expelled from Oxford on March 25th, 1811 when he lied about authoring an anti-Christian essay. 
I don't think it was the fact that he authored the essay. I think that was definitely part of it, but I think it was mostly that he lied about mm. authoring it that got him in the like final trouble. Yeah. His father you. ordered him to come back home and work with tutors to complete his education, but he refused. He was also growing more infatuated with Harriet. They eloped on August 25th, 1811 when she was 16 and he was 19. After the wedding, they were cut off by both of their parents. So Shelley started borrowing against his future inheritance to support them. So basically he knew he was going to inherit all of his father's stuff right Mm -hmm. so he knows he's getting like let's say he knows he's getting 10 million dollars when his dad dies so he's taking out loans for like five thousand dollars over and over and over again and he's Mm -hmm. using his future inheritance as collateral Mm -hmm. and sort of slowly eating away at it because that like five thousand dollars that he's taking out a loan for he's gonna have to end up paying back like 15 because of Mm -hmm. the interest rate Mm -hmm. over and over and over again because his dad cut him off and that's how he's supporting so instead of getting you know like a job or anything he's just taking out loans Mm -hmm. against his future inheritance anyway okay well teach their own yeah he heard that one of his favorite authors from childhood william godwin was still alive so he wrote to him for advice in september of 1812 he published his poem queen mab which was a mythological retelling that was full of social commentary so very similar to what william godwin's doing on uh, june 23rd 1813 harriet gave birth to their daughter eliza eanthe weird name okay However, the couple weren't happy. They were fighting and estranged throughout the year. In March 1814, they remarried to ensure the legality of their elopement and provide security for their child, but they now lived apart. Okay. By now, he is visiting the Godwin household daily, allegedly for William, but he was more than happy to see and speak with Mary. Who? Percy Percy. was visiting the house? Yeah, Shelley's there. Shelley's been visiting for years, but now he's estranged from his wife and visiting daily. Mm, Okay. He slipped her a poem in June that said, Upon my heart thy accents, sweet of peace, and pity fell like dew on flowers half dead thy lips did meet mine tremblingly so by then at least they had uh shared a kiss because in the poem he says thy lips did meet mine tremblingly spicy yeah they would take long walks with mary's stepsister jane and sit at her mother's grave and talk for hours so they had like a chaperone but they would take long Mm -hmm. walks and sit at mary wollstonecraft's grave and just like talk and read poems and stuff when shelley told william he was in love with his daughter william was furious and he tried to keep them separated uh, but they kept writing letters back and forth and jane would sneak the letters back and forth mm. shelly met with harriet and told her that while he still cared for her that their relationship was never full of love and passion as his relationship with mary was harriet who was currently pregnant with their second child blamed mary for seducing her husband a few days later uh shelly came to the bookshop while william was away and he brought a bottle of laudanum and told mary that they couldn't be together in life they'd be together in death he pulled out a gun and john ensued everyone's screaming everyone's yelling until mary and the other women in the godwin household so jane and her stepmother and fanny managed to talk him down talk him out of this like murder suicide thing what a weird yeah on thursday well he's a romantic i guess he like that's not romantic that's fucking crazy but maybe in 17 or 1811 or whatever 1815 1814 no that's crazy batshit crazy from the beginning of time to the end listen if we could impart a little bit of advice it's that if he tries to bring a murder suicide pact into the situation it is probably not a good idea again yes big 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 red flag can't explain that enough well she didn't ask for her advice so on thursday july 28th mary and her stepsister jane snuck out of the house and ran off with shelly they planned to go to France and Switzerland. They both did? They both did. Weird. They planned to go to France and Switzerland where they could live more openly without the societal judgment that usually follows, you know, just open, blatant affairs. No idea like a, why Jane also went. 
I have no idea. No, they are not in a throuple. Could have fooled me. Uh, but I also don't know why she went. And no one does. Like, people are like, oh, maybe she was getting in a fight with her parents, too. Maybe she hated living there. Maybe. She wanted her own set of freedoms. Maybe she also loved Percy, but he loved Mary. Like, I don't know. Could be so many things. Who knows? They barely got to their first hotel in France before Mary's stepmother found them. She mostly just wanted her daughter to come back. Jane. But Jane refused to go. So her mom mm. just turned around and left. Mm. Shelley managed to leave town before his latest loan had come through. So by the time they got to Europe, they were basically out of money and they had to kind of just walk from France to Switzerland. And like, that's they would buy a donkey and like the, go as long as the donkey would last and then buy another donkey. You know what I mean? Uh, uh-huh, by sure. August 27th, less than a month later, they decided to return home. They spent the last of their money on a boat ticket. And Mary, who was always one to have motion sickness, had a particularly rough voyage as she was not only fighting her motion sickness on the waves but also morning sickness oh she's prego she's pregnant they returned to england but they didn't reconcile with their loved ones because both of their families were sort of like oh yeah we'll like reconcile with you but you have to end the affair and they right. were like oh no we're not doing that like he mary's never got like fully divorced from the lady. no divorce is just not an option oh. too expensive and it's way too expensive and really hard to get mm. so it's just sort of like and like i don't think i honestly don't think mary cares i think mary's fully indoctrinated in her mom's like oh for sure you know outlook on the world and um, marriage doesn't matter to her at all right yes I was thinking more on on Percy's side since he's the man in that situation it might be a little easier for him to be like I don't fucking want to be married to you anymore but I guess not I feel like for Percy he married Harriet as a solution to emotional instability that he was feeling Mm -hmm. because he married her when he was getting expelled from school he was fighting with his family and so it was another act of rebellion to marry her i don't think he ever really thought about marriage and building that kind of life with somebody why and so was I it think, an act of rebellion to marry her because his family didn't want him to marry her uh, but her but it's not like they were like opposed to marriage no they thought that she was below his station because uh, well, he was, she was i don't know Har- harriet didn't do anything to me so <laughs> and she seemed you know, fine i don't think she did anything to him either i think he just like i don't think she's listening to this so it doesn't matter i think that um it was the sort of thing where they did it and he almost immediately knew it was a mistake but what are you supposed to do now i mean it sounds like he did it knowing that it like was a mistake like i don't think that was i don't know it to me it didn't seem like that was like a revelation he had he like went into it being like yeah i don't give a fuck about this girl but i'm just doing this for no i think he i think he got caught up in the romance of the situation and eloped with her Mm -hmm. but then once it came down to actually being married he was like oh i don't want to do that with you (laughs) nice and then i think he found mary and in mary they sort of both were like well marriage doesn't matter and so for percy that meant that his marriage that he was already in didn't matter and for mary it meant i don't need to marry you yeah we but percy actually like genuinely liked mary he loved mary Yeah. yeah the three of them rented a small place together in town while their families bowed to societal pressure and basically shunned them. Mm -hmm. On November 30th, Harriet gave birth to a son, Charles Shelley. I yeah, love see, that's Charles. the thing, what? is that if she gives birth in November, nine months before November is February. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? It's like, he's still having sex with her. With who? Hazel. Harriet. Whoops. Harriet. You know, he's Hazel's still having sex with her while he's going and flirting with... Wait, why are you saying that? Because what? I thought he had, like, run away with Mary across the country for a little while. He did. They left in July and they got back in August. Oh, that's not... That's yeah, not they didn't make long. it very long. No. So you're saying before that, in in, in February, he was, he was having with, sex with He Hazel. was having Harriet. sex with Harriet. Did she get pregnant or something? No, but they got remarried in March. I thought they were already married. They were, but I talked about that before. They got remarried to make sure that their elopement was legal and to make sure that their kids were legal uh, and secure. Okay. Either way, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that if she's having a baby in November, then he's clearly not that far away from being in a physical relationship with her. With you know? Harriet. With Harriet. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, so while Harriet's giving birth, Mary, Shelley, and Jane are having a lovely fall where they take long walks and they read at Wollstonecraft's grave. You know, no worries, no responsibilities, yeah. no two children that she's raising by herself. Oh, she sounds so nice, man. Shelley would spend the evenings telling scary stories. Jane, who seemed to have this weird need to be the center of attention within a couple that she was not a part of. Yeah, she would like overreact and like be so scared of these stories that Percy was telling. What stories? He was like, Shelley would just tell scary stories oh. at night. I think maybe Jane really liked Percy. I think she did too. Uh, and I don't think that Shelley was against it. You know what I mean? Mm. But I think he liked, he obviously loved Mary. He just like, if she wasn't around, then he'd hang out with Claire and he'd flirt with Claire. I thought her name was Jane. Oh, sorry. Yeah, her name's Jane. Sorry. We'll continue. Okay. She is about to change her name to Claire. Spoiler alert. Weird. But anyway, Jane would like freak out and like scream and not calm down until like he would have to sit and talk her back down and wait until she fell asleep because that's how scared she would get of the stories. So I think like that kind of stuff was annoying even to him where he was just like, okay, we could be grownups a little bit, but... (laughs) <laughs> okay maybe she had her own mental health issues i mean they she is young i think jane is mary's age or maybe a little i think jane is mary's age so and mary's young is, too mary's just like got wise beyond her years vibes but how old is that how old are they mary is born in 1797 so she's 318 she's 18 right now and then percy was born in 1792 so he's five years older than her so she's 18 he's 23 okay so they're both kind of so they they are young but like she's still she's being like a child you know what i mean and he's kind of just like okay yeah do we have to scream okay on february 22nd 1815 mary gave birth to a baby girl she was premature and sadly died nine days later without ever having a name this put mary uh-huh. into a depression as you can imagine but she yeah. only confided her emotions to a, to her journal she didn't ever talk to them with shelly mm. while mary was mourning their loss jane became shelly's companion on walks and on like shopping trips and stuff like that mm-hmm. so by the time mary started to feel better she was like this needs to end this needs to stop this like coupling yeah even though they were already all hanging out together i think they got not the two of them i think that when mary because i think after the baby died mary was sort of like unable to get out of bed for like a week you know yeah like she was very upset Mm. and during that time well i'm sure percy was also upset in his own way he was still doing the stuff that they always did only now Mm. instead of it being all three of them or him and mary it was him and jane Mm -hmm. and so once she felt 
felt better, Mary saw that and was like, okay, so we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. She got a little jealous. She had Shelly pay for Jane to visit the country by herself. She sort of sent Jane on vacation out to the country. Oh, well, she's hardcore. While away, Jane changed her name to Claire. She felt that Claire Claremont sounded more glamorous, which, you know, to be fair to Claire, kind of does. It's got a ring to it. wrong. Yeah. So from now on, she's Claire. Her stepsister is Claire. Okay. I don't want you to get confused. Goodbye to Jane forever. I think Claire Claire is a little easier to remember anyway. They're both pretty basic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary and Shelley stayed in London where he finished and published a book of poems. And then on January 24th, 1816, Mary gave birth to a healthy baby boy that they named William. Oh, okay. So she got another baby. Yeah. Claire used her free time to write the world famous poet, Lord Byron, who you may have heard of. Lord Byron is basically like a rock star of the 18 teens. He's like, (laughs) I've literally heard people compare him to like Michael Jackson, Elvis, Justin Bieber. Okay. Now we're getting crazy here. I listen. So his poetry is like good, but he's more known for his persona, which was very Mm. bad boy. Very like lock up your daughters, fellas. coming to town. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a... He's a kind of a fuckboy. He's absolutely a fuckboy. Okay. He is the most famous fuckboy in the world right now. Or right Copy, then. Right. Okay. So basically Claire, Claire just wants, I think Claire wants to be famous. And so. For what? Uh, who knows? Whatever yeah. she can be famous for. <laughs> and it's hard for her, particularly being Mary's stepsister or whatever, because Mary's parents are famous. Right. But so but Mary by die? proxy is, no, the dad's still alive. Okay. But like Mary's mom is very famous. And Mary's dad is famous too, but he's still alive, right? But Mary's mom is dead and like is an icon, like I was saying. Uh, uh Like uh they're uh actually famous. People know who they are. People are writing about them. And so Claire is stuck being close to this kind of celebrity, right? Yeah. She's the stepdaughter of a famous writer, but she's not the daughter of a famous writer. Right. Yes. And there's nothing she can do about that. I mean, she could try to have any sort of fucking skill of her own. Yeah. I don't know if she did that or not, but I do know that she wrote Lord Byron into he agreed to meet her like she wrote him letter after letter after letter until she agreed because Byron and Byron met her because he knew her stepfather or like knew of him and was a fan of William Godwin's work oh. so he agreed to meet her okay and I mean, then hey. she continued to write him and make meetings with him until she could become his mit- mistress okay that was uh, her plan she's gonna become weird. Byron's okay. mistress and then use that to catapult to whatever she wants to do next this is why she never succeeded in life I'm just gonna it's say. not a great plan but that's okay yeah, it's really sad. It, on some level, Claire's just like sad. You can either go yeah. she's annoying or you can go she's sad. I think like, both is probably just true. Yeah. I and I think I think that Mary felt the same way where she's like, she is so annoying. But I also <laughs> feel so bad for her. Yeah. But she's also still so annoying. He never really seemed to care about Claire, Lord Byron, but he was also honest that he didn't care about her. Like he never pretended that it was something deeper important to him. And she would say things like, I know that you don't care about me, and he'd be like, Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm happy to have sex with you, but I don't care about you at all. Oh, so rude. I know. And he like, it's. it seemed like he also just like found her annoying unless they were like actively hooking up. Well, he's kind of sucks for that too. He sucks. You know? He does suck. I'm not saying he doesn't suck. Like, and I feel that's what I mean. I feel bad for Claire. Yeah, but also she's got a girl. But you just kind of want to shake her and be like, "Girl, yeah, if like, you just like spent time figuring out who you are, then this is not yeah. what's going to happen to you." You know. She introduced Shelley and Byron, and the two became fast friends. And Byron also really liked Mary. So like, 
everyone loves Mary. Because Mary, because I, I think Mary is just smart, willing to say what she thinks, what she feels. She's not trying to please anybody else. Yeah. And then those are, I think that that could be Claire, but she just gets so caught up in wanting what Mary has that she doesn't ever get to just have I that. Because what Mary has is, is self-confident. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't, I think Claire lacks that entirely. So I, Yeah. So you feel bad. You can't help but feel bad for her on some level, but you I know don't. she's annoying. You know she's so annoying to be around. Yeah. Aaron was rich, titled, and talented. So he was pretty much traveling and partying 24-7. Okay. When Claire stopped being his mistress, she talked Shelly and Mary into traveling to the same place Byron was in hopes that she could win him back. So he was like, I'm going to Geneva. And she's like, cool. When do I go? And he's like, you don't go because you're not invited because we broke up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's like, she's like, well, can I come? And he's like, no, you cannot come because I don't want you there because I'm sleeping yeah. with other people. And you can uh, too. <laughs> well, at least that's a nice part I guess. you know he's like i don't you know nothing but love yeah uh but i don't want to be around you at all yikes okay thanks bye and so oh, no. instead of taking that as like okay that's fair you know people break up yeah instead of responding like that she goes hey shelly what if you me and mary go on vacation to geneva and percy's like that sounds like a great idea i would love to get out of town let's go to geneva why are we going to geneva and she's like no reason this is the exact hotel we need to go to and shelly's like okay why this hotel and she's like no reason and then they're there for a few weeks and Byron shows up. And she's mm. like, oh, fancy running into you here. But Byron is vaguely laid back, at least in this moment. I don't know much about him in general. Mm. He also likes Percy and Mary. So when he sees them all, he's like, oh, hey guys, what's up? You want to come hang out at the villa by my villa? And they're like, yeah, for sure. And so they all <laughs> hang out together all summer. Uh, Byron is dating multiple people, but also kind of dating Claire whenever they're, whenever she sneaks into his house. It's very, she's very just like, if I can put myself in front of you enough, then you'll pick me. And he's like, oh, wow. is it pick? if you're in my bed if you have crawled into my bedroom does that still I mean, count as me picking you he could have some fucking decency you know i like, listen he is absolutely not the good guy here no. but she's doing so much yeah she's not making it any easier on herself and, and it's the thing that and i guess the reason that i'm feeling judgmental about it is because i don't think she cared about byron the person yeah i think right. she cared about the status and the things that he could get her like i don't think yeah. she loved him either i think she no. loved the idea of being his mistress and i think that yeah. you know if you find someone that you actually like then it's not gonna go like that for you hopefully no but she's not even i don't even think she could find someone she actually likes because she don't even like herself yeah Poor like girl. she's not even in oh. that state of mind so sad very sad i just kind of like but, if, the, if this is me can someone please tell me like uh, like yeah, if this you know what you. i mean like if you yeah. were if this were you in the byron situation i would want the byron guy to just be like you need to stop which he never yeah, does if, and i know that's not his no, job but, but you would like want him to and be like, this is honestly, you you should be embarrassed. I don't think we'll Byron separate and work on this. Would have ever been that guy because no. if he was that guy, he, he it would have never even started between the. If two he of was nice, yeah, you're right. If he was nice enough to be honest like that with people in a way that was kind, mm -hmm. then he would have been, and he never would have been in the relationship with her. But anyway, this is yeah. a maybe we should have done Claire and Byron on how they break mm, up. I don't think so. <laughs> it have been a much shorter episode. Um. So anyway, that all that being said, they. Are all spend the like summer of 1916 together in Geneva. And the thing about this summer is it was very cold. It was colder than normal. There had been like, I, my understanding is there were some other reasons, but there had been a really big volcano eruption in India the year before. Okay. And it had produced so much ash into the sky that it briefly changed the climate. Oh. And so there was basically a very cold and rainy summer that year. Okay. 
Okay. So more so than usual, they like couldn't go outside and they spent their nights just like talking in the living room, you know, or the like drawing room or wherever the fuck they were. Yeah. So they all just sort of talked and chatted inside day after day after day and they got bored. So one day Byron found a book of eerie tales and they all sort of read them aloud and he Mm -hmm. realized that everyone had a really good time reading these stories and talking about them. And so he goes, oh, you know what? Everyone should write a ghost story and then we'll all come back together and tell each other our ghost stories. Cute idea. It's a cute idea. Listen, my understanding is that Byron was probably someone that was nice to be friends with, mm. but not depend on and not sort of um, in any sort of romantic situation with. I don't know. Who gives all. a fuck about Byron? But I think I he's nobody. fun. You know, I think he's like fun at a party. Anyway. I think I think you have a crush on Byron. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no male in this story. <laughs> that is of any interest to me. They all I'm, suck. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Matt, for that. Okay, so they all split up to write their ghost stories. Mary thought and thought without an idea for hours, and then she had, like, a vision. And she began writing the tale of a student named Victor Frankenstein and the creature he made on a dark and stormy night. The group loved the story, and Shelley encouraged her to expand it into a novel. Shortly after, Shelley's father offered him a higher allowance if he returned to London, so they came back home. Claire also <laughs> announced that she was pregnant with Byron's child, which he offered to support after she was born. So Mary Shelley and Claire went to Bath to wait for Claire to give birth. On October 9th, Mary received a concerning letter from Fanny, her older sister. Her father had also received a letter. So Shelley and William Godwin both went and like looked desperately for Fanny. She basically like sent a letter to her family and her sister and then like disappeared. And so everyone to go look for her. And they were too, they couldn't find her though. And she was eventually found having died by suicide in a hotel in the middle of town. Who died by suicide? Fanny, the I older. I forgot all about that lady. I know. And Mary felt really bad because she was like, Mary was like, if I would have been with Fanny and not fucking Claire, then maybe Fanny would have been fine. What was Fanny doing this whole time? Fanny was always struggling. It's because her name was fucking Fanny. Maybe. That's why. Set her up for failure with that one. On December 15th, Shelly got a letter informing him that Harriet had died. She had been found drowned in a lake in Hyde Park. Harriet? Yeah, Harriet's dead as well. Very sad. He she fought for custody found... of their children. Wait, wait, wait. She she killed herself or she just died? Um, She was found drowned. I think the implication was that she had drowned herself. Mm. But I don't know. know, And I don't want to make any assumptions. But that's what it was thought of at the time was that she had died by suicide as well. He fought for custody of their children when Harriet's parents refused to give them up. But they ended up both losing custody. And the judge sent Anthony and Charles to live in a foster home because the judge thought they were both kind of wicked people. Who? Which ones? Both. Both um, Harriet's parents and Percy. I think he just, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't like Harriet's parents. But for uh, Percy Shelley specifically, they said that he was an atheist and no one liked that. Oh, okay. But okay. so his kids from his first marriage are living in a foster home Yikes. against his will. Right. Of course. Of course. Of course. Before the judgment was passed though, it occurred to Shelley that he would look more appealing as a guardian if he and Mary were married. And since they were free to do so, they did. And they got married on December 30th, 1816. Mary's father and her stepmother were both witnesses. Mary's father. Oh, so stepmom's back in the picture now. Mary's dad really likes Percy's money. Mary's dad. So of course. He asks for loans a lot. So they're kind of, they're back especially now that it's legal they're back in the picture kind of but they're never that close again anyway claire gave birth to her daughter allegra uh, although she originally was named alba but she eventually is baptized and named allegra so we're gonna call her that on january 13th 1817 the shelley spent the next year working on a book about their travels which was published and well reviewed and mary continued editing frankenstein on september 2nd 1817 mary gave birth to a baby named clara and then in november of that year frankenstein was accepted by a publisher and then 
then would be published anonymously later that year. Uh, why anonymously? Most of the time, women were published anonymously. It helped. Of course. Them Say sort less, of their, you know. Say less. In sure. March of 1818, they all went back to Europe to deliver Allegra to her father, who would be arranging for her care. Who's Allegra again? Allegra is Claire and Byron's daughter. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Tired of England, Mary hoped that they could build a new life in Italy. Claire was sad to see Allegra go, and it was decided that she could visit her daughter in August. While in Italy, they got word that Mary's book was a big hit. People freaking love Frankenstein, as they still do. (laughs) In August, Shelley accompanied Claire to see Allegra, as they decided. Mm -hmm. When they arrived, Byron offered them the use of one of his houses for the season, so Shelley sent for Mary and the children to come. I think Byron, I don't know where Byron was, but he wasn't, he either wasn't in Italy, or he wasn't in the same part of Italy that uh, Shelley and Mary and Claire were staying. And kids because mary has two kids now she's got william and clara right now okay so they went to go see byron i i feel like byron might still be in geneva so they like it's kind of a journey to get there Mm -hmm. but it might have been part of italy i can't remember anyway they go to see byron and then byron says do you want to just stay in my house for the season i'm going this other place and they were like yeah Mm -hmm. sure and so then they write back to mary and say hey mary bring the kids up here but by the time the word reached mary she was already worried about clara who had a fever oh no by the time they by the time they got to byron's house clara had gotten much worse so Shelly and Mary took her... Oh, must be in Italy. Shelly and Mary took her to a doctor in Venice, but uh, Clara died in her mother's arms that night. So sad. Again, Mary confided her sorrows into her journal and not to her husband. Mm. He, of course, noticed that she was sad, but I also don't think he ever really understood how devastated she was. How could you know? Also, isn't that his child too? Yeah, but I don't know if it's just like, if it's like a men are different in that stage. I don't really know. He was definitely sad, but I don't think he understood how just broken she was every time this happened mm. you know weird for a man not to understand but i guess maybe not so whatever i mean okay. he was sad i'm not saying he wasn't sad that his child yeah died, but yeah like, no i just it even... also seems like i think maybe he just didn't understand that mary was grieving in a way that was different than he was grieving and so it didn't look like grieving to him because it wasn't what he was doing you know what was he doing continuing on and she That's, was continuing what? on she was continuing on too but he was like writing poems about it and she was writing about it but he didn't see it you know oh he would show her his poems though yeah she copied a lot of his poems over for him and she like you know she read his death but she was okay. like writing it in a diary and he was like writing it as art you know right yes anyway okay on june 7 1819 william shelley also died of malaria so that's both of her children dead within a year and she's already Rough. had one Rough. Di- she had one little girl die that never got a name and now two yeah. more little baby very sad y- yikes mary said after her son died mary said we have now lived five years together and if all of the events of the five years were blotted out i might be happy it's been like wall-to-wall pain since they got together for her for mary i feel that's what she feels like that's what she just said basically oh uh, okay to him but she definitely wrote it down <laughs> yeah during this time shelly could feel mary emotionally pulling away from him and he confided in many of his friends that he didn't feel like she cared for him anymore she didn't feel like percy cared for her anymore no shelly told his friends that he didn't feel like mary oh. cared for him anymore she She's grieving. Still, despite her not caring for him anymore, Mary got pregnant again and gave birth to a son on November 12th, 1819. Wow. Okay. So I guess she wasn't grieving that bad. I know. That's what I'm saying. They're like, he's like, she doesn't ever, she's not emotionally, 
connected to me anymore. And I'm like, she's six months pregnant. So <laughs> you guys have been connected at some point. Yeah, yeah. I don't it know what like you're you talking about. you guys already connected six months ago. That's like so. the fifth time she's been pregnant in five <laughs> years. So I think you guys are connected often. That's a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So they, but they named their son Percy Florence after her father and then the city he was born in. Florence, Italy. Oh, okay. Mary noticed that Percy didn't spend much time with her anymore, instead focusing on his male friends and even the daughter of the governor of peace, who was a teenager that he flirted with. What? Yeah. Weird. So, like, I think that, and I mean, they talk about this a lot, even still today, that, like, the death of a child Mm -hmm. leads to a lot of divorces, it leads to a lot of strife in marriages. I think grief is really hard, and I think that partners can be very good at supporting their partner in grief when, like, your wife's mom dies. You know what I mean? Like, you you get that, and you can be there for her, and then she's there for you when that happens to you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think people are very good at that but when it comes to we both had basically the same relationship with this person that died this baby our baby Mm -hmm. and so we cannot grieve separately and together at the same time you know we can't grieve together we don't know how to do that people don't know how to grieve together they know how to grieve and support someone who's grieving but they don't know how to i think they they specifically mary and i know that they don't don't know but i mean i think it's a problem still with a lot of people i think it happens often Mm -hmm. that they're the problems that they're going through are problems that people are still going through and that what can happen tragically is that when you when you're mourning and so you close yourself off because that's what you need in that moment that sometimes it never gets to reopen you know the reopening is so much harder than the initial closing oh yes and so mary closed herself off person afterwards you know it's like you're never and there's also something to be said for sometimes when you're grieving you need someone there you the way that you grieve specifically is that you want people there with you and the way that other people grieve is that they don't want Uh, anyone uh around you know yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and so if your partner is the kind of grieving that needs you around like percy i think might have been the kind of person that needed mary around he needed them to just keep going and talking Mm -hmm. and like laughing Mm -hmm. and still connecting to each other i wonder Mm -hmm. if he would have been happy to talk about it you know talk about the grief and go through it and that's what he needed but that's not what she could give and with stuff like was even helpful for her yeah yeah well with stuff like grief it's just never you can't take it back you know what i mean if you weren't there for that person in the way that they needed you to be when they were going through it you can't be there for them now and that just sucks right right it never quite makes up for it you know yes i get what you're saying unless you talk about it and then move forward but they didn't do that yeah no didn't seem like they communicated that well at all but so there it's kind of like mary's done with her private grieving but percy's already moved on he's not paying attention to her anymore yeah they're still married and i don't think that they're fighting or that there are problems i think that it's just distance and neither one of them are willing to talk about the distance and fixing it but nothing is they're happening. just kind of you know like nothing happens yeah, they just, just aren't fixing going their on with their life yeah i get you i get you <clears throat> but remember all that being said that distance is happening while mary is pregnant so well they're maybe gonna come back together again for this baby in april they're of 1822 they found out allegra had died of typhus claire and Lord byron's daughter at first Yikes. they didn't tell claire fearing what her reaction would be you remember she's just scream from scary stories when everyone was like it's not that deep girl but when she finally did find out she was devastated she was very upset but she had a mostly numbed reaction and i think it was sort of obvious to everyone in that moment that like claire also experienced all of the loss and pain that like mary and shelly had experienced you know like to a lesser degree they're not her kid but she's had as much death and pain around her too she's had to grow up too yeah so she didn't you know scream and break windows and everything like that she just was devastated you know she 
she grew up a bit. She grew up a bit. Like that. Love that for her. Mary begged Shelley to take her away from the Italian town that they had been living in because she just suddenly felt like it was cursed for them because everything really bad had happened in this town. So she just was like, can we go? Can we leave? Yeah. Okay. And her stress may have been the cause of a miscarriage that she had in June. Oh, no. She began bleeding and it was only Shelley's quick action that got Mary into a tub of ice water that stopped the bleeding and saved her life. <laughs> so thank God for him there. While yeah. Mary was still healing from that on July 1st, Percy and some of his friends set off on a boat ride. They were basically going from wherever they were to wherever Byron lived via water. Yeah. I, I don't remember which body of water, but it would take like a while, you know? I feel like it was something, mm-hmm. I feel like it took like the better part of the day. Like it wasn't a crazy long trip, but like it wasn't like you were going to go all the way there and back in a day, but you could get yeah. there in a day. Right. So they went up to go see Byron and then a week later they were going to turn around and come back. On a week later, Shelly and his friend Edward Williams were ready to go back. The rest of their group like less so. They were still vibing. So mm-hmm. Shelly and Edward Williams were like, that's cool. We're going to go back anyway. The pilot, I guess not the pilot, the captain of the boat that had helped them come up didn't mm-hmm. like the look of the storms that were about to set out. So he didn't go. Percy seems like a necessary person to be on the boat. I think they could do it without him. I think he was just oh. better at it. Mm-hmm. Four days later, Mary and Edward's wife Jane got a letter from one of the friends that didn't come back on the boat asking if Shelly and Edward Williams had made it back if they had gotten back safely because mm-hmm. they saw them like sail out and then they saw a storm come through and they were just saying hey did you make it yeah. and that was the first time that Mary and Jane found out that their husbands had left they didn't know that they had even left oh, sad so everyone spent days searching until the bodies of the three men in the boat um, Edward Percy Shelley and then they had a third friend that was on the boat were found Shelley's body was the only one that was not immediately recognizable he was only identified because of the book of poems in his jacket pocket uh-huh. Percy Shelley had died at the age of 29, leaving Mary a widow at 25. Wow, what a young soul. Percy was cremated, but afterwards a clump of tissue was found on like within his ashes. Mm-hmm. And Shelley's friend thought that it must have been his friend's heart, so he kept it. Wait, um, what? Okay. That was part of Shelley's heart. Percy is cremated, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. And then his ashes are collected, and within the ashes mm-hmm. is... uh Stuff that didn't get incinerated. Yes. Fully. Yes. So he was looking at it and I guess from what it looked like and where it was like found in the area he was like within like I feel like yeah because I feel like it's like if it was up near the top you know what I mean he's like it was up at the very top ashes but it's not it's not like they swept it it was from where they burned him so they just sort of fell straight down either way he decided it was his heart and he kept it (laughs) that's so once that guy decides it's Percy Shelley's heart, then that's what it is. And you just sure. keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at first, the guy didn't want to give Mary the heart because he thought right. Mary, because he believed what Percy had been sort of whining about and was like, uh, well, Mary didn't give a shit. Mary's a fucking bitch and doesn't like him anymore anyway. So like, fuck that. Mm. But Lord Byron was like, that's fucking rude. <laughs> that's his wife. You should really, yeah. you gotta give it, you gotta give her the heart, dude. I don't know what you want from me. And Mary asked for it. It's not like he was just like talking about Oh, she about knew. It. Yeah, she knew about it and she had asked for it. So I'm like, well, once mm. she asks you just give it to her what are you talking about yeah but anyway he gave it to mary mary took the heart she wrapped it up in pages of poetry and she locked it in a writing desk 
Ooh. Like a travel, you know, like one of those travel desks that you can close the top and lock it. She locked it up in there. Okay. Anyway, she went back to London and published a book of Percy's poems. Lord Byron died in May of 1824. Uh, Shelley's father offered Mary a small allowance, mostly for her son, Percy, mm. as Percy's son by Harriet was st- the actual heir because his oldest son was going to inherit. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So Percy was going to inherit mm-hmm. and then Mary would have benefited from that, obviously. But now she was not going to benefit because her son was the like the second son. You know, because her son had an older brother. Percy's her son. Right. And was her husband. But the first, Mm -hmm. the oldest son is Charles. Yeah, that's Harriet's son. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So anyway, Mary had to support herself uh, because the allowance was like enough, but not enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So she supplemented it with uh, money that she made from writing a few more novels, as well as some short stories and some biographies that were published in periodicals of the day. On September 14th, 1826, Charles Shelley died, which meant Percy Florence Shelley is now the heir. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So they got an allowance bump and Percy was now being sent to good schools. Like he was being sent to better schools because he was going to be the heir, you know? Right. Because the other kid died. Yes. I don't know what happened to that girl. I hope she's okay. I think that his sister, his half sister, Harriet had two Uh, kids, a boy and a girl. I think that Percy did give his sister a lot of money when he finally inherited the son. His half sister? Yeah. He gave his older half sister money after he inherited it, I think. Anyway. That's nice of him. Frankenstein, she said, I have an affection for it, for it was the offspring of happy days when death and grief were but words. I just thought that was so interesting that she wrote that before all of the death and loss were surrounding her. And so for her, that movie, I mean, not that movie, that book is a happy memory because the idea she had about death. Yeah, for Mary Shelley. The Uh, idea she had about death and grief were abstract. She hadn't experienced them. Right. That is pretty poetic. William Godwin died on April 7th, 1836 with Mary Mary and his wife by his side. He was buried next to Mary Wollstonecraft. Cute. On April 24th, 1844, Sir Timothy Shelley, Percy Shelley's dad, the original's dad, died. <clears throat> and Percy Florence inherited the Shelley fortune, uh, finally paying oh. off any of his father's leftover debts, which were, there still were some. Percy Florence Shelley was a happy man who grew up with little ambition, but seemingly a lot of empathy and kindness. He married a witch okay. widow named Jane, who became very close with Mary. Mary lived with her son and daughter-in-law for the rest of her life. On February 1st, 1851, she died with them at her bedside. She had asked to be buried with her parents, but by then the graveyard that they were in was in serious disrepair. Um. So Jane and Percy Florence, her son and her daughter-in-law, had Mm. both of her parents moved to a cemetery near where they were going to move so that that Mary and her parents could be buried together in that new cemetery. Now, it is cute, but um, they did kind of tragically leave Mary's stepmother behind. Ooh. Well, which pissed off Claire. Stars. I just like, I kind of feel bad for Mary's stepmother just because like she was married to him for like 30, you know, plus years yeah. forever. Yeah. And then was just like deleted. <laughs> But whatever. Should have been more interesting, girl. I guess so. Percy also commissioned a sculpture of his parents, had a theater built, he adopted children, and he lived a happy life. When he died in 1889, it was said that he was buried with the ashes of his father's heart, which he had found still locked in the writing desk after his mother had died. When she died, Mary was described as the daughter of Godwin and Mary Wollstonecraft. It is not, however, as the authoress, even of Frankenstein, that she derives her most enduring and endearing title to our affectionate remembrance. 
but as the faithful and devoted wife of Percy Bysshe Shelley. So at the time that she died, she was more famous for being Percy's wife than the author of Frankenstein. Oh, well, that's like a Frida Kahlo kind of thing. And like, I think look so, where yeah. she is now. So I didn't even know Percy was. As, as far as their relationship goes, I think like they both genuinely liked each other. You know, I don't think it was like yeah. a player situation where, you know, they were like trying to get something out of it or it was beneficial because of you know political reasons or financial reasons or whatever yeah um i think I there was like a this genuine is a, this was a love match yeah genuine love and respect do i think they both had like their issues and flaws as human beings which affected their relationship a hundred percent and so in that way i don't know if it was like the healthiest relationship in fact i i, I, I it wasn't at all but i do think they were genuinely in love and i yeah. respect that and i love that for both of them they're they're an interesting duo because the the complaints that i have against them are almost not their they're their fault but not their fault you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the way that they got together him obviously being married and them starting their relationship anyway like that's your big complaint right right and yeah well, not you, yes. but that's like the big complaint against them. Yeah, maybe a, a lack of respect for other people in general. It's so interesting because if they were a modern day couple, I think he would have just broken up. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. It's yeah, hard to not? so it's hard to judge him morally for not ending a relationship that he really couldn't have ended. I feel like he maybe could have done more than what he did, which was nothing. You know, like sure, the but the politics of the yeah, day, you can't actually get divorced, but you could have a conversation. Well, he did have a like conversation could, with her, but. In not in a way of like I don't think a real conversation. I think it was like I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I want. Well, that was conversation. That was the last conversation, but there might have been many before that where they were you know breaking up. I maybe Mev, maybe you're right, but I don't think so. And especially about Just what you the said way of, that in they terms of described them, him. Them, the way they described them being separated before being mm-hmm. sort of yes, they got by the time they got remarried in March, they were already living separately. I think that says something. Well, then why she get, was pregnant in February. They got married again to secure the security for their children. I don't think divorce was ever what he was going to do, but I guess maybe he didn't know he'd fall in love with Mary. I think by that time he was already in love with Mary. And we already said, like, he never even really loved this girl. Yeah. I don't I, think yeah, I think that's the part that sucks. You know? I, like, yeah. I, I get it. Some, you know, we all sometimes do things for various reasons or, or, you know, don't make the best decisions. We are, we think we are at the time. And then in hindsight, you're like, oh, I definitely shouldn't have done that. But I, I, I think in this case, like he might have had that regret, or he clearly yeah. did have that regret. But I don't think it was like, oh, I, I, I like led this woman on, or I did something that like hurt, is going to hurt this other person, or is hurting this other person. He was just like, oh fuck, now I'm in a situation, and I need, you know, it just seemed like it was more of a selfish thing, yeah, than like a, oh, I think it, an I empathetic think it was. thing. I that's why I feel like the marriage to Harriet was the like dating the guy with the motorcycle, so that your parents hate him. You know what I mean? In mm-hmm. high school, when you're like, oh, I'm gonna date the bad boy with tattoos and you're just like okay are you dating him because you like him probably i mean like probably you are in reality but like the reason it's a thing is that you don't like the kid you're just trying to piss your parents off and i think that's what he was doing yes which is not i mean i think there's various levels of like severity to that you know in high school like in modern day high school there might not be yeah it might not be like that but in back in this time right where you get married for life and then you have babies you know that seems that was much more of a, a serious decision to make back then 
with with having that same thinking of mind of like I just want to piss people off so I'm gonna go and do this you know yeah as compared to like today where it's like okay you can do that and it won't like it maybe won't like drastically affect the rest of your life yeah but I think between the two of them because who gives a fuck about everyone else in the story I mean I do but like you know no I get what you're saying if you're ignoring that part which we've already said is kind of like it's hard to even really judge them on it because I think that as because they were so modern in their belief that they thought of it all in a different way you know what I mean yes I think they could have been nicer to Harriet and it sucks that they weren't and it sucks (laughs) that she died like she did you know what I mean like that's all very yes yes I think they could have been nice to a lot of people them no I I think think them as people were like you said flawed selfish yeah maybe a little ahead of their time in some ways yeah and as but as a couple it's interesting right they're just they're really interesting they seem like a modern couple like when you talk about their issues and what's happening with them it seems like it's really a modern relationship in a lot of ways they started to they started to break up i mean he died and we really don't know what would have happened had he not died would they have fixed it all you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think they would have, but you never know. I don't know. You never you, know. Who knows? Yeah. Um, there was something about Percy Staley that just like refuses to allow things to settle. Like they mm-hmm. were moving constantly throughout those like five plus years. Yeah. They moved every six months. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. Her kids yeah. died. Pro- like not necessarily, it's not like it's his fault, but they definitely like died because they were moving around yes. so much and traveling yes. to all these places and stuff. They were pretty unstable. Yeah. In that way. And like the boats that you travel on aren't clean for little babies no. yeah no. and they're not near doctors that they know they're not going to write like i don't know yeah no i think indirectly but he for died sure. her life it seems like after he died her life was a lot consistent Less chaotic. Was a lot more consistent and that's because she mm-hmm. wasn't like she was the only one making these decisions and like right it got better for her afterwards but that doesn't mean that it was bad during yeah i i respect um them as people mostly and yeah. in their work like how how dedicated they were to those things and i Honestly, you know, I think they had a real love for each other. And if I found someone in my life that I shared that same love with, I would be happy. I think I would hope we would communicate better and like do everything else better. But in terms of the love part, you know, yeah, I think that's a that's a happy ending. I feel like the idea of Mary and Percy Shelley is very much like having dates at the gravesite, like the even the murder suicide bullshit, like it being that intense and it that romantic and this like yeah, sort of that's a little crazy for me, but yeah, gothic rom. That's the idea of what they are and it's so interesting when you really look into it that what they really are and the reason that in my opinion they're really interesting is that they were human being very willing to discuss their emotions just not with each other and so you're left with this like very clear story of this relationship that we don't always get you don't always get the inner monologue of these people yeah and because their no. writing still survive we do and we get to look at it and so they're not like they're they're not just this morbid curiosity couple but they're also like a real couple that dealt with you know the loss of a child which is what so many couples then had to deal with and like you get to actually see it and you get to see the cracks coming through and where they're coming from and what they mean I think that's powerful I like that too and I I think their relationship would have done a lot better had they communicated those emotions to each other but you know I think it's nice that they at least had the wherewithal to like understand the things they were going through you know And, and communicate them at all even if it wasn't to each other all right, there are basically basically one source with an additional supplementary source for this. The first one is the book The Strange True Tale of Frankenstein's creator Mary Shelley 
by Catherine Reef. And then the next one was sort of supplementary. It's a timeline of Mary Wollstonecraft's Shelley's life from the History of Science Museum that just really, it's very detailed and it goes through the exact like order oh. of events. So it's really helpful. Oh, okay. And then our intro outro song is Feeling Good by White Hot from Free Beats I Up. Woo! All right. Good job, man. All right. I hope you enjoyed Thanks our for listening, spooky, guys. episode. Yeah. Come on back read next Frankenstein. Month. Go read Frankenstein. Watch go read the book. That book was good. Yeah. Go read that book. Go watch all of the movies that have been made yep. uh, about it. Particularly and, Young uh, Frankenstein, which is the best one. Matt said fun. so, so it's facts. Uh, and then come back next month for the last episode of the second season. <gasps> oh my goodness. I wonder who we'll be talking about. I don't know. 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 Guess I don't you know. have to tune in. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye.